direction. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you three scriptures. Now, I gave my notes to uh, Brother Ron and the media team, and so they'll be able to follow uh, if you can't turn fast enough. But I want you to find Mark 16, 16. And then I want you to find Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, and then Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Like I said, I want to teach today more than anything else. And, and you know, the Word is powerful. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the joints and the marrow, which means that it's, the, the way I look at that, and I know it uses the word sword, I'm aware of that, but to me, the Word of God is a scalpel. And it's able to just dissect. It's able to do spiritual surgery on our life. It knows. It's able to divide. It's able to, to get uh, and, and excise those bad things in our life. I like the Word of God. In fact, this morning in my prayer time, uh, uh, this morning as I was praying, I, as I do sometimes, I was quoting a Bible verse. And as I quoted it, God just kind of thumped me up back the head. And, and it was as if, and, and he didn't speak in any audible voice at all, but it was as if in my mind he laid that verse out. He opened it up and he said, Brandon, have you done that? And I had to stop for a minute. In fact, I had to stop, I had to pray, then I had to go write that down because I need to do a little bit more of that. It's amazing how the Word of God has that ability to grab our attention. And uh, my job as a pastor, my job as a preacher is to preach the Word. And if I will preach the word, God's word will speak to you. Mark chapter 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5, three simple phrases. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And Acts chapter 2 verse 38, surely you don't need to read it. Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I am thankful my, my or actually Zane and I, my wife stayed home. And uh, just per, for note, keep us in your prayers. Uh, we're to that stage where we might have a baby any moment. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. And we've got... A little less than three weeks officially to go, but sometimes babies come early. But so last week, my wife and our, our Zane and I, rather, my wife and Zoe stayed home, but Zane and I, we went to uh, North Carolina, preached their kids' camp. So thankful there was a, a, about a hundred and something kids there, and we had 21 that received the gift of the Holy Ghost. There was a great move of God there. I'm thankful for salvation. And uh, we're talking about salvation, which is repentance. Salvation, which is the Holy Ghost that we get. But I want to spend today to talk to you about baptism and what baptism is. Baptism is not something that we just blindly do. We don't just jump in the water and say we're baptized. And let's take our time to see what God has to say. Would you close your eyes and would you let the Word of God speak to you? Lord, I am so very thankful for your presence and for your Word. And I'm asking right now, as we rightly divide the Word, that you would let your Word speak to hearts and minds that are here today. I ask that you would let us know. Lord, if we've already been baptized, then perhaps this is a moment for us to get a hold of the Word so that we can better explain it, teach it, and help others, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, you may be seated. Those parts of, ba uh, of, of uh, salvation, I, I first think that it's important that we don't overlook how 
how important it is for repentance. You know, it's easy for us to focus on baptism. It's easy for us to focus on the infilling of a spirit. But repentance is so key. The thing about repentance, though, is it's just between you and God. There, there's really no, I, no one needs to hear what you repent of. Because there's times I don't want you to hear what I have to repent of. We're all human. We all have our moments. Our flesh rises up. And if we're not careful, it, it leads us astray. But conf- confession, fruits of repentance, repentance, all those are key. Watch what it says when we first begin to hear uh, about baptism. Mark chapter uh, 1 verse 5, That and this is uh, John the Baptist, there went out from him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of John the Baptist in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Again, they were not confessing them to uh, John the Baptist. They were confessing their sins. They were repenting of their sins to the Lord. And then if you keep looking on there, same, same story, but just a different uh, uh, rendition of it. Luke chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 8. And it's, it's what he told, uh, uh, John the Baptist told those. He says, I want you to bring therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Don't begin to say within yourselves, we have Abraham our father. First, I say unto you that God is able to raise up of these stones raise up children unto Abraham. It's not enough for you to say, I belong to Abraham, because if God wanted to, these stones could belong to Abraham. But the axe is laid into the root of the tree, and every tree therefore that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And so people asked of him, saying, what shall we do? He was telling them that your your tree is dead. There's no life in your tree. There's no life in your uh, lineage. There's no life just to say I'm of Abraham's seed. And so they said, what should we do? And so John the Baptist preached. He said, if you have two coats, give one away. If you have extra meat, give likewise. Then the publicans came to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what should we do? And he said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. Don't steal from others. Soldiers, when they came, they said, what should we do? He said, don't do violence to a man. Neither accuse any falsely. Be content with your wages. And then they were in expectation. All these men are thinking in their hearts. They they kind of think maybe this is the Christ. And John looked at them and said, I indeed might baptize you with water. But there is one mightier than I that cometh, whose shoes, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. And he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. What John was saying was, if you're going to be baptized, you need to not only repent, but bring fruits of repentance. Don't just say, I'm sorry for what I did, and then do it again. That's what kids do. They get in trouble, and they're sorry they got in trouble, but they're not sorry for what they've done. Or, you know, you hurt somebody, you hit them upside the head and you tell them you're sorry and then you turn around and you hit them again. That sorry just don't cut it that way. It's fruits of repentance. When Jesus came on the scene, Jesus has more to say about baptism. First off is what we read. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's amazing. Belief and baptism go hand in hand. As we look into scripture, I hope that you see that correlation there. Baptism should never be just because someone told you to do it. That's why we don't baptize children until they are able to say, I want to be baptized. In fact, I encourage parents, you don't make your child get baptized because it has to be their belief. Jesus, at the end of his ministry here on earth, 
he looked at the, at the disciples. He opened their understanding. Luke chapter 24, verse 45. He wanted them to understand the scriptures. He said, it's written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. That repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things. He says, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. Go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He led them out at Bethany and then he raises up and he, he is blessing them. And then as he blesses them, he departs into heaven and they go to Jerusalem. And of course that leads us to the upper room experience. That repentance, and, and I preach on repentance, I don't have time to spend a lot uh, uh, more moments on the, uh, the, the, the act of repentance, but it's the reversal of one's decision. It's a, it's a uh, uh, one place in the Bible says, uh, if you've stolen, let him steal no more. If you've been lying, don't lie anymore. Remission, that root word, it, it, it says to omit, to put away. Another thing is it's freedom from sin, it's pardon from sin, it's deliverance from sin, it's forgiveness from sin. That's what repentance leads you and I. Repentance is our way of saying, God, what I've done is not acceptable to me. I don't like it, I know you don't like it, I don't want to live this way anymore. And that repentance, he will forgive but it's with the baptism that comes the remission, the removal of that sin. Jesus' last words were recorded by Luke. Luke, uh, we, we understand, was a physician. Luke was a very learned man. Uh, Luke was, was probably one that was used to writing in great detail and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, keeping track and journaling. And so that's why when you read the book of Luke and then also Acts, the book of Acts, because Luke wrote that as well, that's why you see great detail. And so when he wrote in Luke 24, he echoed it in the beginning of Acts chapter 1 verse 5. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We get to the upper room and there you are in the upper room. The Bible says that 120 of the believers, men and women alike were gathered there. They begin to pray. They're in one mind and one accord. What are they seeking? They're seeking that promise that God said, I'm going to send you. I won't leave you comfortless. And they're in the upper room. The Holy Ghost falls. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with other tongues. When they get done, they, I don't know who it was, they walk out and here's the, the whole town, it seems like, just kind of standing underneath that upper room looking up. And they're asking what in the world just happened. It was so loud. It was boisterous. It was not something we normally see during uh, the, the Feast of Pentecost. And Peter begins to preach. As Peter begins to preach, they get to the end. And what is so, what, what must happen, and I pray this often. It was not Peter's words that affected the change. It was the word of God. Again, I don't have time to go through it, but go look at Acts chapter 2 and look at a sermon. Peter preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he preached, they were pricked in their hearts. They begin to, to bow their head. They begin to say, man, I am a sinner. Jesus died for me, and, and, and I'm the one that put him on the tree. And they said, what should we do? And you have that incredible statement of Peter, Acts chapter 2, 38, repent. 
be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the removal of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When Peter preached and when Peter gave the altar call, this is what happened. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same were added uh, unto them about 3,000 souls. Now I can take a few things out of that. Number one, there were some that did not receive the word, and there were some that did not gladly receive the word. And in every sermon there will be those that hear the word, and there will be those that receive the word. Those that receive the word said, I have heard what I need to do. I need to repent and I need to be baptized, and so they walked out and they were baptized. That would have been cool to see. 3,000 people, I don't know if they went to the Pool of Siloam, I don't know where they went, but they were being baptized. And that's the first time in the book of Acts, this beginning of this church that God has ordained to, to happen, that you and I are a part of, you see it. They preached it, Peter uh, explained it, and they did it. In Acts chapter 8, you find the next account of being baptized. It's Philip going down to the city of Samaria. He's preaching Christ unto them. And the Bible says, with one accord, they heard the things which Philip said. They heard and saw the miracles that were being done. Unclean spirits were cast out. People who had palsy, those that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. It was a revival like none other. They believed, verse 12, they believed Philip preaching concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. Simon believed also. When he was baptized, he kept looking. And it was amazing. It said that, that uh, uh, later on, the apostles that were at Jerusalem had heard that Samaria was in revival. And, and they had sent, they said, bring us Peter and John because people are, being, are repenting and they're being baptized, but they have not yet received the Holy Ghost. They had been baptized in the name of Jesus, the Bible records. Peter and John come down, they pray, they lay their hands on them, and they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as well. But they had been baptized in the name of the Lord. God takes Philip from that revival and he picks him up and he brings him to the desert and there in the desert he is walking or running or whatever he's doing and he finds a chariot with a man of Ethiopia, eunuch, who was under Queen Candace there in the Ethiopian. Uh, he was in charge of the treasure. He'd come to worship and he's sitting in that chariot and he's reading a scroll. He's reading Isaiah. And as he reads Isaiah, Philip gets close to him and hears him. And he calls out to that man. He says, do you understand what you're reading? That Ethiopian says, no, I don't understand. I, I read it, but I wish there was somebody that could explain it. And so Philip says, well, let me help you. And so he climbs up in that chariot. And there, starting in the book of Isaiah and going all the way, the Bible says, Pete, uh, Philip, rather, Philip opened his mouth, starting at that same scripture, preached unto him Jesus. I could spend a whole sermon just about that. That the opportunities that you and I have to start where somebody is and preach to them Jesus. They went on their way and they came to a certain water and the, Philip, the, 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 the uh, eunuch said to Philip, hey, here's some water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now we like to say what doth hinder me because here's water. But I think the Ethiopian eunuch was asking a few more questions. It wasn't just there's water. What else hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe in your heart 
then you may be baptized. And that Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so they stopped the chariot. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And that eunuch went on his way rejoicing. It's amazing. I'm, I just have been around this long enough that if you'll keep preaching Jesus, when someone hears about Jesus, there is something that is birthed inside them that says, I need to be baptized. It's why Paul, his conversion there on the, the Damascus road when he had been persecuting the Christians and, and God stops him, knocks him off his horse, blinds him. The Bible says he goes and he finds uh, 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 Ananias and there's some teaching going forth. And finally, the scales fall from his eyes. He's opening his eyes. He received his sight. And the Bible said the first thing Paul did was go be baptized. Again, it's because when you and I have an encounter with Jesus, there is a desire within you and I. When we see the holiness of God, it shows us how dirty we are. When I get into the presence of a holy, righteous God, if I can see him like that, usually it, it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know if any of you, I had braces as a child, and, and when they, when they finally, finally got my braces off, they... they Take this, this strip. Now people do it just because they want to. I did it because I had braces. But get your teeth whitened. Now you don't have to raise your hand and see if you got your teeth whitened. But you go through life going, I got pretty white teeth until they hold up that a napkin or they hold up all of those uh, phases of white. And all of a sudden you realize how yellow your teeth really are. You didn't know that until they put it up to something that was whiter. My life, I can go through life thinking I'm okay. Until I put myself next to the holiness of God. All of a sudden I say, you know what, I want to be clean. I want to be clean. I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. I want to be clean. And so when, when you encounter Jesus, the reason so many desire to be baptized is not even so much because the Bible says so. I have found that it's because they want to be clean. I've been in contact and encountered him. And I want to be. Acts chapter 10 takes us to the next place of the recording of a baptism. It's Cornelius and his household. And Peter is, is preaching to Cornelius. These are those Gentiles that God allows to be grafted in. And while Peter is yet speaking the words, while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on all of those that heard the word. Those that had come with Peter, the Jews, they were astonished. They, they couldn't believe that upon the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is how they knew, the Bible says, for they heard them speak with other tongues. They said, we didn't believe it could fall on the Gentiles. And when they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, they answered Peter. They looked at Peter, those that came with Peter, those Jews, and they said, if they got the Holy Ghost, then can we forbid them not to be baptized? They've received the Holy Ghost just like you and I. So they need to be baptized just like you and I. And so they commanded them, Peter preached and commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they were baptized that day. In Acts chapter 16, Lydia is baptized. This is one, a lady, that a seller of purple in Thyatira that Paul was, was there. And he was down by the river and spake to those that had gathered and they heard the word. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 16, you have Paul and Silas who had gotten there and, and, and they had uh, been, been, it was part of the same revival and kind of made some people mad that they were preaching. They threw them in jail. 
Paul and Silas was there and at midnight they began to pray and sing praises. There was an earthquake. The foundations of the prisons were shaken. All the doors were open and they walked out. The prison guard was scared he was going to lose his life because of the loss of the guard. and So he was going to commit suicide and Paul and Silas stopped him. They went inside that guard's house and spake unto him the word of the Lord. And that same night, that same hour, he was baptized, he and all of his house. In Acts chapter 18, I'm just showing you places in the Bible. In Acts chapter 18, they entered into a house, a man's house there in, the, in Corinth. His name was Justice, Justice. And there they believed on the Lord with all of his house and they were baptized. In Acts chapter 19, Paul is passing through Ephesus and he finds some of John the Baptist's disciples. He says unto those disciples, he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, I don't know what you're talking about. I've not heard about this thing called the Holy Ghost. And John, or, or, uh, uh, Paul asked them, he says, How were you baptized? And they said, Well, we were baptized under John's baptism, John the, ba- John the Baptist." And Paul said, John verily baptized you with the baptism of repentance, but he told you to believe on the one that comes after him, that is Jesus Christ. And when they heard Jesus being preached, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Something about hearing the word of God. What does that baptism do? Why should we get baptized? What's important? Before I tell you why you need to be baptized, let me tell you, why you what baptism is not. First off, baptism is not membership into a local church. There are some that say you have to be baptized, be a member of the church. That is not what it is. Baptism is not so that you can say I belong to a local church. Baptism is not a temporary decision to appease a conscience. It's like when you have a kid and they do something wrong and so you're going to punish them, you're going to ground them and then all of a sudden they're repentant and they, you know, they apologize and they go start cleaning their room and they go start you know, putting candies on your pillow and start doing nice things so they can get ungrounded. Then as soon as they're ungrounded they go back to their old ways. Baptism is not a temporary decision to appease a conscience. Baptism is not a hazmat shower that you just jump in and get your sins washed off and then you can go do whatever you want to do until you get dirty again. It's not a band-aid fix that you can keep on sinning. Let me tell you what baptism is. Baptism is an identification with Christ. It's not a membership for a local church, but it's a membership into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, we've all made to drink of that one Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, For as many of you that have been baptized have put on Christ. That baptism is an identification with God Almighty. It's it's Romans chapter 3 and verse 22. I'll read from the New Living Translation. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's true that everyone, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For all have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. 
Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed you from your penalty of your sins. For when Jesus was sacrificed for sin, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood. It's because of that baptism. Romans chapter 13, it says that we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, make, and don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's Ephesians 4 that says you put on the new man. It's Ephesians 3 that says, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, you are identified as his. The second thing that baptism is, is it is a burial. Again, burial is not a temporary thing. I don't know of anyone that wants to be temporarily buried. If so, talk to me and we'll go dig a hole, throw you in it, throw the dirt back on it and come back in an hour and we'll get you back. Nobody wants to be temporarily buried. So burial is a permanent thing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse 3, don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Paul goes on to say almost the same thing in Colossians 2. We are buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God that raised him from the dead. When I am baptized, I am buried with Christ. And if I'm buried with Christ, I shall rise with Christ. It's not, uh, uh, like I said, uh, it's not a hazmat shower for you to go rinse your sins off. But let me tell you what baptism is. It is a cleansing. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18, it says, And the water is a picture of... Of baptism, which now saves you not by removing the dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience, it's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It cleanses me. I'm so thankful for that cleansing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That cleansing, it, it, it's where I can say I've repented of my sins. But now it's the remission, the removal of my sins. Now all of that has been the, 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 the uh, act of baptism. But it's not enough just to go down in the water. It's not enough just to go under the water. Peter said it best in Acts chapter 4. He said, he, he said for there in, in verse 12, For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If I'm going to identify with Christ through my baptism, then I want my baptism to be identified with Christ when I do it. Does that make sense? That's why when you go under in the water, when you are buried with him, that's why it said that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. The name of Jesus. That baptism is there. I'm amazed, and, and, and I, I've talked to so many people. I've baptized countless people, whether it's in these baptismal waters here 
or whether it's, it's at other churches I've been to. I've baptized them in Puerto Rico in an outside uh, tank. I've baptized them in, in a, a, a little creek before. But I love it when they come out of the water. They're usually their hands are raised and they'll look at you. And they'll say, I've never felt this clean before. Never felt this clean before. You can't clean something that doesn't want to be cleaned. I mean, that's, that's kind of the spiritual aspect there. That's why repentance is so key. Repentance is putting yourself into the place where the blood can cleanse you. Now the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is what gives us that new life. It's one thing to be clean. How many of you have cleaned your house one time and never ever again? No, please don't tell me that. I don't want to know. I forgot. But you know what's interesting? You go and you clean that mirror. Got to clean it again that week. The next, If you have kids, you got to clean it every time they brush your teeth. But Because if we don't have a new nature... We tend to keep getting dirty. But it's until you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that gives you that power to walk right, that power to, to say, I, I'm not going to do those things anymore, that power. But you got to get clean first. And the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you, the Bible says, from all unrighteousness. I want you to listen to me for just a moment. There's not a sin that you can commit that God can't cleanse. Now, you and I, in our, in our humanity, we don't, we don't necessarily always like that because we like to give levels to sin. You know, because all of us have lied, so we want God to forgive us of lying because all of us have lied. I don't know about forgiving, you know, the mass murderer because I've not mass murdered, so I don't want them to be forgiven or the, the pedophile we, we, we like to kind of sometimes say I don't know about that that's too great of a sin but listen if there is a sin so great that God's blood can't cleanse it then that means God is not all powerful I don't have any sin in my life that, that God has to back up and say I can't touch that doesn't matter how long you've been sinning. It doesn't matter what you've done. The grace of God, the mercy of God covers all sin. All sin. That blood. Let's see how well you listen. What's my favorite theological term? Efficacious. Look at your neighbor and say, efficacious. That means that blood is all-powerful for all times. It's like we sung a couple services ago, it doesn't lose its power. I think it was Sister Whitman that was telling me after that service that, that just through, through things that they've gone through and they've seen blood transfusions, she said, I notice on those blood transfusion packets in the hospital, they have an expiration date. I'm glad, Lord, Jesus' blood doesn't have an expiration date. I'm glad he doesn't look at us and say, well, if you'd have been baptized by the time you were 18, it would have worked. But now you're 83 and, you know, you've just lived too long and that it's already expired. No. 
Brother Perryman said it best, as long as you have breath in your body, this is your chance. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Baptism. See, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pull it. I preach and my sermons all run together. Repentance, that's between you and God. To be honest, no one has to hear that. It has to be between you and God. Baptism is between you and God and you have to let at least somebody know because somebody's going to baptize you. I've not yet figured out how you could baptize yourself. I guess if you were stuck on an island and you were the only one there and you want to be baptized, you hold your nose and say Jesus' name and go into water. I think God would honor it. But as long as there's someone here, you need to let someone put you down in the water. And that Holy Ghost, that's His doing. That's His doing. I want us to stand right now. See, there, there's multiple reasons for what we're doing. Number one, uh, we need to be reminded of what the baptism means to you and I. You need to know how to talk about baptism when, when you're sharing the gospel. Acts chapter 19 shows us that it's okay to be rebaptized if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. He didn't make fun of their baptism and John, you know, uh, uh, that they were baptized under John's baptism. He didn't say, you're an idiot. He didn't throw them out. He said, no. He said, you did what you knew, but have you been introduced to Jesus? That's why if a child's been baptized, you know, as an infant, that's why I'm going to rebaptize them in Jesus. In fact, I was talking to someone on the phone uh, a couple days ago, and we got to talking, and they said, Pastor, they said, I, I-, I may need to be rebaptized. Is that okay? I got to talking to him. I said, well, absolutely. The Bible says you got to make your calling sure. If you don't remember how you were baptized, don't just go on an assumption. Say, well, I want to be rebaptized today in Jesus' name. That way I can look back to today and say, I know. Maybe I was baptized early, but I know I was baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because there's no other name given under heaven among men by where we must be saved. And then I'm appealing to those that are here today you've never been baptized or you're ready to, to, to do it in His name. You're ready for that remission, that cleansing. I'm appealing to you today. I made sure there was water in the baptismal tank. I've got baptismal robes. Your clothes aren't going to get wet. I've got towels ready to go because I believe that God wants to remit. God wants to remove some sin. And I want us to begin to pray in fact, I think it'd be good as they begin to, to sing that from the front to the back, we would come as a body of Christ. We'd begin to come, and as you come, would you let God lead and guide you? Would you let God speak to you right now in the name of Jesus? Would you come?